Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to slam down and get even. Time to spin out and boil your hair. I want you to brace yourself for a night of Hyatt solid energy and simulcast on the KROQFM rock station. This is your last chance to be banned before you make those New Year's resolutions. That's why we call our celebration New Year's Evil on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the Holiday Inn on, on Hollywood Boulevard. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. That's right. Uh, we're going to discuss all the gory details of New Year's Evil in the hopes that a reveler's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, uh, there's only one person I trust that if I think she's in Palm Springs, she'll stay in Palm Springs, the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? You've been waiting your whole life to do that intro, haven't you? Uh, uh, yes, I <laughs> paused just, just it multiple to, times and wrote it down verbatim. <laughs> just, just to be able to finally take your radio DJ voice and put it to work for you. Yes, uh, you know, I am but a paltry radio presence in comparison to Pinky Tuscadero. Uh, so <laughs> to take well, the you opportunity know I, to get there. I, I honestly got to say, I would, having watched this movie, Mm-hmm. I would rather see you in in whatever pink plastic dress she's wearing, <laughs> and her Frankenfurter make uh, face makeup. Than I don't than, know if I could pull off purple as a palette. I'll be oh, honest. Oh, with I you, think Jane. I think that you can. I think that you can. <laughs> well, I don't want to scare you, Gina, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. Now, you know him as a returning champion here to the show, but also a writer whose latest is entitled Puppet Master Complete, a franchise history, the one, the only Nat Bremer. How are you doing today, Nat? I am doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, this is Thank you for having me on to discuss canon films, <laughs> scenes from a marriage. <laughs> I Yeah, I'm wondering... I don't know that we've really officially done a canon film off the top of my head. Do you remember, Gina? I don't think so, no. Yeah. We've talked and about doing um, that. Is that one Chuck Norris one where he fights the robot? Is that a canon yeah. movie? <laughs> the Robot Man? I, I believe it is. We've talked yeah. about doing that one quite a few times. Just haven't, haven't <laughs> yeah. broken the seal on that one yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, that has an incredible dead, but not dead guy in it, uh, that I love. Um, but yes, there's a lot of, um, uh, bar fights in that, that don't, uh, unfortunately no bar fights break out in, in new year's evil, evil, um, evil. <laughs> this is, uh, weirdly enough, uh, one of several movies we've done this year with voice changers. However, and including the the last uh, film we covered here color of night <laughs> and i know i know again i know it's a giallo thing uh-huh. i just i i cannot get the it's me the killer hello <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm a little gnome who lives on your lawn also i'm killing naughty ladies 
yeah, I, I just that does nothing for me. That 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 does not scare me. It does not freak me out. I'm just like, this is stupid. Who would be scared by this? I don't know. Uh, Nat, were you scared by this? I was not scared by that uh, remotely. <laughs> I think if you're going to do a voice changer, you have to uh-huh. like. There's no middle of the road that works for me. You can't just be a scratchy voice. I think to make it work, you have to go all the way to like the the Lucio Fulci Donald Duck in in New York Ripper. <laughs> anything other than anything less doesn't doesn't do it for me. There's times when this killer sounds like um, uh, Ned from uh, South Park, the guy the guy with the voice box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he also on occasion dips into Peter Frampton, our, our you know talk box, and the, with a guitar sort of situation it's it's not scary it's just it's not a scary voice at all neither is his dry look uh the cheekbones in this family are scary they're incredible (laughs) whether highlighted with purple or just a nice tan from a weekend in palm springs uh all the cheekbones in this quote-unquote family of crazy people are fantastic uh, Nat, was this your first time watching New Year's Evil or, or had you dipped into this quote unquote canon before? This was either my third or my second and a half. I know I watched it once all the way through and I know I sure. tried to watch it a second time and I don't remember if uh-huh. I finished the second viewing. So technically this is my third. I had definitely watched it once before because I was like thrilled that there was like a 80s slasher that I had never seen before. And I walked away from it going, um, well, that's something that happened. I never have to watch that again. And then for some reason, I dreamt up in my mind that the ending of this was worth the journey uh, of all the other BS in it. Oh, you're mistaken. And then having watched it again, I don't think I should be producing this show, Gina. <laughs> well, it's been a great run. Uh, Patrick has <laughs> just has just confessed to me that he cannot do this show any longer. It feels. I mean, he, uh... I picked New Year's Evil <laughs> outside of the fact that this is coming out on, I think, the, the last day of the year, the a- actual New Year's Eve. I don't know that this is a great movie for us to cover. Yeah, I figured this, you know, more than compensates for me bullying you into doing the fan. (laughs) Yeah, it's a one for one, I'd say. (laughs) Sure. At least the fan has all sorts of fun, you know, uh, actors to watch. And here uh, we get to see Pinky Descadero from Happy Days and a guy who claims to have won the lead role in American Spaceship. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, we also have Grant Kramer from Killer Clowns from Outer Space as the large yeah, adult Well, he's son. the one who, yeah, that's American Spaceship kid. <laughs> I don't, what kind of show do you think American Spaceship is and how terrible is it? And how is he the lead role with eight minutes of screen time? <laughs> I mean, clearly, I, I assume it's supposed to be like someone's clever uh, parody of Battlestar Galactica. Right. Yeah. Because it's about was, that. It's about the same time period. Which technically is Mormon spaceship. <laughs> uh, I just want to read briefly. Uh, I did some research here. This is from Roger Ebert's Contemporary Review uh, at in 1980 of New Year's Evil. And he states in the final paragraph, New Year's Evil 
is not, I repeat, a good movie or even a very good thriller. It's just barely competent. And I'm here to say he may have been giving New Year's Evil too much credit. Yeah, I was going to say uh, barely competent is is generous. <laughs> it is a, a slasher in which we watch the slasher himself go out and find his prey for extensive periods of time. Well, yeah, and- that's that's honestly the only thing I could say in in to its credit mm-hmm. is that it does not bother trying to make it you know you know, suspenseful as to who the killer is. It's, it's established. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think even the the the. I mean, is it supposed to be a twist that that's her husband? Because I got that right away. It is supposed to be a reveal. It is meant to be, yeah. I mean, well, as soon as the son walked in, I'm like, okay, it's the son. And that's sort of of right, because apparently the son is being groomed to be a father and son serial killer team. But then as, as soon as it's sort of vaguely mentioned that, oh, well... You know, your dad's not hasn't been feeling well. Like it's the dad, it's her yeah. husband. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of the first time I saw this. I was like, I thought it was the son too, despite seeing the killer's face, specifically because happy birthday to me had just primed me on the possibility that everyone's <laughs> sure. faces might be fake in any movie I watched. <laughs> Oh, if it had, if it, you know, had that kind of crazy ending, it might've gone from like one star to one and a half stars for me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I am the biggest happy birthday to me apologist of all time, (laughs) but. Oh, it doesn't uh, need apologies. It's great. Yeah. Some of these movies are legitimately good, but with New Year's Evil, (laughs) you can believe a movie can drag at 86 minutes. Oh my God. Yes. I, I was amazed at how brisk it's runtime in was. And then I kept looking at the time, like, Oh my God, there's still 45 minutes left in this. I swear. I said that at least five times. Uh, let's just get into it. So um, very few horror films uh, that I can think of have the guts to start with a shot of a holiday in. And then lo and behold, We're sticking with this location. It's not just our opening kill, everybody. The Holiday Inn is where the vast majority of this film (laughs) takes place. Yeah, it's a very very low-budget New Year's special, considering how it's supposed to also be like the hot ticket of the city that night. Los Angeles again, Patrick. (laughs) Yeah. How do you feel about your your beloved hometown getting you know all getting the uh, repre- representation it's been getting in this and color of night? Yeah, between this and color of night, and and I think this has owes a lot also to that Quincy Me episode that we covered with the punks. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's two pieces of media that has zero idea what punk or new wave music is, um, and that is is typified by Diane, AKA blaze. Um, she's the, I, at one point referred to as the first lady of rock and roll. How does one become that? Is that typically you're married to somebody? So is she married to the president of rock and roll? Well, I feel like that, that, um, someone, Elvira was a thing by this point, right? In 1980 or, or no. She was. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah, was on the scene. I th- yes, but just barely. I, I, I feel like this this is somebody somebody saw Elvira on television and said, "Let's have someone like her, but make her quote unquote 
punk. <laughs> and for whatever reason, they hired television's Pinky Tuscadero yes. of Happy Days to, to play this punk rock Elvira. And I mean, I say this as a middle-aged woman. She looks like someone's mom wearing an embarrassing Halloween costume. She does. There's, um, there's a point where she's like, like kind of rubbing up against the band. And it's like, oh, God, mom, oh, please. Mm, no, <laughs> mom, please sit down. The wedding, the, this wedding is getting off the rails. You know, mom uh, had too many white Russians. She needs to sit down. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of it, backing up shimmying. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't. I'm not trying to be ageist. I am older than Ross Kelly, the actress playing uh, Blaze, but mm-hmm. I, I, it's just this is a this is a baffling casting decision. It really makes zero sense, and she doesn't seem to have a handle on the material. Uh, she's, I mean, and I don't think anyone comes off great in this motion picture with the exception of made in Japan, uh, who's one song I enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, who really does not come off. Well, is the person who did, uh, the, the music, uh, the soundtrack for this movie, because at many points in it, it appears to be a rattlesnake loose in the recording <laughs> studio. Oh, I kind of like the rattlesnake. <laughs> I mean, unless the baby is involved, I don't want to hear a rattle. <laughs> it's not a scary instrument, let's say. There are so um, many parts of this movie where it feels like whatever they will, whatever anyone was told to do, they took it extremely literally. So I absolutely imagine the music supervisor, the the composer being told, like, you get those suspense moments. It's like a rattlesnake gearing up to strike. And they're like, yes, I will write a rattlesnake. (laughs) No, 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 no. Put that, put that away. Put the castellanetas away. Put all of percussion instruments away. You're not allowed to touch any of them. A lot of the time, the instrumental music in this film sounds like he's leaning up against his Casio to reach for something on the high shelf. (laughs) And that conveys suspense somehow. Uh, But we learn um, that uh, Blaze's husband, Richard, is in Palm Springs, either loaded or coked up. We're not told which. Um, But she quickly asks her manager to contact Yvonne. Uh, so we meet Yvonne. Uh, she's a lady with cool braids, purple highlights, a leaky shower, and after a little surprise, multiple stab wounds. Bye-bye, Yvonne. I don't know that we ever heard her talk. I, I think she had about, I was going to say, I think she had about two lines of dialogue. I mean, it. you really have to give it to New Year's Evil that it goes out of its way to kill the black person first whom we do not hear speak or interact with another human being. It's wild. But in her two like lines that she has, even Uh though they're not going for a Janet Lee in psycho, she is a much more interesting protagonist to open the movie. (laughs) Yes. I would buy her as the queen of rock or the first lady of rock and roll before Roz Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. She actually looks scared. Whereas when, when, Ross Kelly discovers that it is her husband who is doing this killing. She just looks kind of confused. <laughs> we, like, 
we do not meet a more interesting person for the entirety of the runtime after <laughs> she's gone. We sure don't. We sure don't. It is, uh, yeah. Although I, it, I would like to know more about this character with nervous diarrhea. <laughs> uh, yes, that's we will get We will get to her because her nervous diarrhea is worthy of extensive conversations. But I want to give it its time because we have to start with the opening credits here, which occur on Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard, respectively, where cars are stacked and the ozone layer is being depleted rapidly from their exhaust fumes. Um, the Hollywood punks here are, um, I guess they just are angry and like to spit. That's, that's what they seem to be into. I feel like you constantly have to say, say punks like with Eric, with quotes around it. Yes. Yes. They're the dick fingers are constantly implied when it comes to these punks (laughs) who are angry at random passerbys, people who are also driving a girl who flashes them, they seem to be angry about that too. They're really mad. Everybody's sort of, everybody's yeah. sort of angry. Los Angeles is a very angry town. And you don't think New Year's Eve, be, everybody would be kind of like, you know, in good spirits. Like, isn't that like the night where like people just, you know, lay kisses on you and like, you know, everybody's hugging and no, you've got like biker gangs giving the finger to a priest. <laughs> New, <laughs> New Year's Eve is made by the man, Gina. And they're, 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 rebel, they're rebels, okay? They're rebels. <laughs> they're right. not even and, rebels. And that's why they're going to a party at a, at a Howard Johnson's. Yes, that's why there's nine of them in one Osmobile. <laughs> it drives very slowly. The, uh, there's, nine of them, there's nine of them in the car, and they also appear to be the only people at this, at this party. Yes. <laughs> this oh my god we, we will get to the dancing because the dancing is a conversation unto itself yeah, but i I, it I must state for everyone that this holiday in uh no longer exists in that current state it is now a luxury hotel it's the lowe's hollywood hotel uh right behind hollywood and highland where you can take a picture with a dirty spider-man or attend the academy awards hey we have those dirty spider-man too that's right that's why we do this show because we each have a dirty spider-man on each coast exactly we find somebody with a dirty spider-man in the middle of the country uh that's our third (laughs) we when they pull up to the the holiday inn where this tv special is being filmed uh we meet thin mustache cop and he implores them tickets Let's, let's let's have your tickets, Herman. Yes, that page, Mr. Herman. Oh my God, I have so much to unpack there. So there are a couple people. Ticket guy stands out the most because he he like, mm-hmm. he has lines. Who? Yeah. It feels like there's this incredible mixture happening of mm-hmm. like they you know these this movie's probably like many shot very quickly. And there's a lot mm-hmm. going on. There's a lot to deal with. And they are probably given one direction, told one thing to say. And yeah. they're not told anything other than that. And this is their first, probably only time they're ever going to appear on screen. And they don't oh, want to get it wrong. So there are several <laughs> people in this movie. This one stands out the most where you can tell they were given one direction and took one, maybe two words, just say, get your tickets. And absolutely nothing else. 
So they hone in on that because they're so afraid of fucking up on camera in front of their mom and everybody. And so it's like, tickets, get your tickets, get your tickets, tickets, please get your tickets, get your tickets. Tickets, tickets. let's have your tickets. And then it's not helped that he is framed entirely in the camera. Like you, all you, all you see is his face from slight from 30 degrees below like this is not a flattering shot of any human being but certainly not of this gentleman and then he is threatened with a comb and that's it for that scene it's over everybody (laughs) we never see that cop again sadly of the many cops we hear uh, with ADR voices oh my god the ADR in this Oh, so good. It's, it's, I could never tell when they were using it. Uh, this is when we're introduced to Pinky Tuscadero's large adult son, Derek. I don't think Spaceship America does have any good parts if he's been given the lead. That's I'm just going to come out and say it. On one hand, Diane's attitude towards Derek pretty much tells us she isn't a great mom. <laughs> but on the other hand, Diane isn't a great mom who also... Uh, wears thick studded leather chokers <laughs> she's both people i i don't know any radio djs mm-hmm. uh i did not know that that was a job that is so uh, demanding of your time that that it, it makes you a neglectful parent <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean she might be taking it more seriously because we assume that she is the breadwinner for this particular family of miscreants and therefore Time is equal to money, but you have to pick a lane. You can't be like, oh my God, I'm so happy you're here. Also get the fuck out of my face. I can't hear you when you're looking directly at me and talking. I, I, love, I also love that her manager is like annoyed that her son is trying to talk to her. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the son's like, and the, and the agent's like, come on, we gotta go. You have time for this. You don't have time for this. Do you know what time it is? He's very concerned with time. Granted, it is a live show and everything, but you can say, listen, Derek, baby, it's a live show. Okay. Your mama, she's going to be, my hands are in capiche mode. here. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> we love what you do. We love your whole thing. I love your tux tails with Levi's 501s. That's a great look. Uh, we'll be right back. Um, we're also given a thing uh, here, a piece of information where we're told Derek has headaches. So could Derek be our killer? Yes and no, weirdly enough. Yeah. He gets a little he gets a little Buffalo Bill style scene where, yeah. you know, he does something real weird when he's you know, by himself. <laughs> he does everything weird, whether he's by himself or in a crowd of people. This is just a weird performance. Narrating what he's doing out loud, too. <laughs> Nothing is internal. It's all external. They completely ripped the mystery out because, like, the first time we see him, we're not given any question because the first time we see him, he just had an audition, got the part. Mm-hmm. She didn't have time for him. He could still yeah. easily be, like, our hero. It's only <laughs> yeah. after we've explicitly seen the other, like, the actual killer that they try to do anything <laughs> with Derek to make him, like seem creepy yeah well i think a big miscalculation here in terms of how do we make derek seem off is that he's given affectation where the way he takes pills is it seems very hard for him to pick up three of them and so he puts them in the palm of his hand 
and then licks them off the palm of his hand <laughs> and holds his hand to his face to take pills. And we have seen some weird ass ways to take pills on this show, Gina. Mm-hmm. But this one uh, might only uh, not only take the cake, but take the cake shop. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's weird. It legitimately I made a note. It reminded me of Robert Hayes' drinking problem in Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a dog that you put uh, the pills in peanut butter and then hold it up to his face so that he can lick them off and ingest them. And uh, it's, a, it's a real choice that he's made for himself. Conversely, the choice that the film has made to define new wave is just anything. They don't understand what new wave was, nor do I believe if you were to quiz them, do they understand what it is now? Yeah, I, I, I like at one point they're just, just playing like, you know, a jazz instrumental. And, yes. then, and people in the audience are still trying to mosh around. There, it's a bluesy slow song, like like a Bonnie Raitt song is playing, and they're kind of like pseudo moshing in slow motion. They're they're trying, they're trying to do something, but uh, it's a very poor assignment. Uh, but this is the first moment when Blaze gets a call from what originally kind of sounds like the Phantom of the Paradise, but without all the awesome songs. Uh, but he then refers to himself as. Evil. He, he very carefully enunciates everything. I will murder someone <laughs> at the stroke of midnight at every time zone. It sounds like one grandma trying to talk to another <laughs> grandma. Only he's evil is stating that he's going to kill somebody at the, the close of, of every time zone's midnight. Like that is a decent plot device, but when it sounds like Jerry, what are you going to order? They, they, they want you to do the blessing. <laughs> the what? The blessing. Oh. I also love that he states, because he gets very offended that he's evil, not bad. <laughs> Because one sounds worse than the other. Because like she's like, "Are you yeah. bad?" He's like, "No, I'm no. I'm just evil." Like he says, "Just evil." Like evil is significantly bad, my brother. like evil is significantly like not as terrible as bad. Villain was my father. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know why he's chosen this affectation, but he sure has. But please welcome to the stage, straight from a garage in Seattle. It's Shadow. Shadow is the name of the band who does the main track here, the the uh, the main song, New Year's Evil. And it does not sound punk or new wave. It sounds like something Kansas said no to. Yeah, it's it's like it's just you know very basic middle of the road rock and like these mm-hmm. people are like flipping out like the dead boys are playing in front of them <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean give it to the the filmmakers here like la was a music scene at this time particularly with punk acts and to go out of your way to get some rockers who didn't make it from seattle on your soundtrack here yeah it's, uh, it's not like you it's not like you couldn't have gotten a punk band to play for cheap like an actual oh, no. punk band to play in your movie. 
Yes, they would have done it in a heartbeat, but no, they thought they knew better. And so we get this song, which I, I from what I'm told, people genuinely like. It has some fans. It has some fans. I'm not among them, but it's what fascinates <laughs> me about, like, you could really tell, especially me being raised on some cheap, cheap sequels, some of the Howling sequels, mm-hmm. especially, that there are movies sure. that get away with, you know, they shelled out money for one song. And that's their soundtrack. And yeah. you could tell uh, that they really wanted this to be the case, but they realized they'd have to get some other songs eventually. So I was trying to track it. And like this song, when you consider the amount of time, the broadcast, like the the duration of time the movie takes place during, mm-hmm. I was trying to map it out. I think this song plays for the entire, what would be the entire first hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, between the Eastern Standard Time and Central, all they play is New Year's Evil from one band. And uh, listening along, of course, is Evil. And he has made his way to the Clifford Sanitarium for kids who don't think good and want to do other things good. Where, where, um, they're, where they're keeping the patients up late to celebrate New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah, it's totally norms. For let, sure. let, let me tell you something, not to bring the room down, but I was in the hospital on New Year's, not a mental hospital, but I was in a, a regular hospital on New Year's Eve last year, which really fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. Mostly because nobody was celebrating New Year's Eve. Right. They weren't, they no weren't one going put around, a little they, hat on you? They weren't going around putting hats on the patients and forcing them to stand in front of the television or anything like that. You didn't get to wa- uh, watch some guys wander back and forth in the approximation of dancing while nurses look on like, it's a Saturday night, baby. <laughs> and, and as far as I know, uh, none of the nurses stepped away from her duties who have sex with a man they just met. Yeah. Speaking of which, Evil has broken in. He's armed with a small duffel bag and a very large tape recorder like a ninja. And in the midst of this very sensitive and nuanced portrayal of mental illness, we welcome back to the Kill by Kill podcast, Miss Taffy O'Connell. Uh, we last saw her being sexually molested by a space maggot. <laughs> Is that her? Um, yeah, from Galaxy oh of my Terror. God, what a res- <laughs> what a resume! So there's two movies. At least I didn't make this one a two parter. Um, if you haven't watched our ga- or, or listened to our Galaxy of Terror episodes, and by the numbers, you have not, <laughs> I, I would welcome you to do so. It, it was a fun time. One of the issues I have with this movie is, mm-hmm. again, he's hunting people in Los Angeles yes. on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. The streets should be filled with people. They're, they're not. It's a, no. it's, a, it's a curiously abandoned Los Angeles on New Year's Eve. Yeah, the last uh, time I saw Los Angeles this abandoned, it was March of 2020. Um, so instead of just plucking people off the streets like like a a you know a, a I don't want to say normal serial killer, a regular serial killer, <laughs> a respectable do, serial killer, I think is what you're going. He for. has these elaborate like like scenarios where he's sneaking into this hospital, which he was once a patient, mm-hmm. apparently recently, although you know, but no, nobody recognizes him. Yeah, maybe he changed his hair. Yeah, why wasn't that the one with the fake mustache? He, exactly. he, brings, he brings a bottle of champagne, you know, a radio, and then comes up with this, you know, oh, I, I'm a doctor, and um, come here, nurse, let me flirt with you and get you to, you know, just go and do the storage room with me. You have nothing better to do than 
you know, look after your patients at a psychiatric ward. It just nurses cannot resist warm, sparkling wine from Temecula. Gina. And, then, they just love and it. then, and then the next one, he, you know, puts on a fake mustache <laughs> and then goes to like a singles bar and comes up with another elaborate story about how he's Eric Estrada's business manager. <laughs> <laughs> but when you, when you think of Eric Estrada's business manager in your mind, is this not what you see? He doesn't not have that mustache, you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I tried to to think of who else would be uh, Eric Estrada's business manager, and I came up short. Like, in my mind, it's this guy. It's this fake mustache. It's that open collar. I, um, but, you, but, you, but you know what? Like, people, people were like, oh, you Ted Bundy went to really great lengths to, you know, you know, get women in his car at the fake cast. And I was like, yeah, you haven't seen anything. Do you seen this guy? <laughs> I thought really, really hard about the mustache because I, I can't stress enough that he had no reason for it. Nobody would seen him. Nobody knew him mm-hmm. there. Not that the mustache right. would have helped. <laughs> the only thing I can think of genuinely is that he got the mustache under the assumption that he was going to say he was Eric Estrada and then looked at himself in the mirror and said, I'm not there. I can't quite get there. <laughs> and came up with the businessman, his business manager on the spot. He's just, he's not good at improv and he does not speak Spanish. So he's like, oh, I'm Eric Estrada's uh, business manager. Yes. Let's get back into this. Uh, I, I do want to say uh, when they're doing the Manhattan, uh, the the Times Square uh, New Year's Eve celebration, the announcer there, whom we never see, uh, says the following phrase, the hour of midnight, Manhattan. I've, I've never heard it. I've never heard someone combine those words in that way before in my entire life. Also, it's really weird just to refer to Manhattan. Yeah. Um, there's also a guy who's dancing who appears to be wearing a low cut karate gi. <laughs> yeah, there That's... there's a lot going on like with the dancing. I took a note. There are like some extras in the in the the dancing <laughs> crowd that like legitimately worry me. Like whatever they're on, like they're not pretending. There's a dude in particular with a a shaved head who looks like he yeah. is going to die, like he looks like he's about to drop dead, <laughs> and not in a slasher movie way. Um, there's the one couple whom, when they're slow dancing, she is holding on for dear life to the chain around his neck, and I became very worried for him because it is digging into the back of his neck, and he does not seem to mind. But I was. Uh, very concerned for his safety and hers. <laughs> uh, there's also the guy with the white hair whom every time Blaze appears on stage, he's like, heal me, lady. Heal me. Touch my hand, mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they put the extra in extras. Uh, all the dancing scenes uh, do. It, it's wild. The only thing that all just gets beyond that is that Derek is up in the room very badly putting pantyhose on his head in a way that made me feel like he had never rehearsed with the prop. And they're like, 
All right, we got enough for one take, and we're done. <laughs> yeah, we get those a lot, though. The uh, the the uh, want to do a second take of this? No, no, we're good. Nope. All right, nope. Really, you're struggling with that that small piece of pantyhose. He's all, he also has never used a knife before. <laughs> Just uh, he picks at it. It's a very weird way to. It doesn't seem like it's very sharp, and while it's a stabbing instrument like it should be relatively sharp like if you want me to feel danger you might want it to be sharp but uh, i'm not going to redirect your movie from i also got the vibe like not to accuse anybody but in that scene in particular it felt like he got mm. no direction on the knife play and the pantyhose on his face <laughs> right. Because the director is an, an actual serial killer and just assumed he would know how to do those things. I have no idea who, beyond Golan and Globus, who made this motion picture. It exists in a vacuum. And for whatever reason, I never found an answer. And I kind of looked around a little bit, but no one ever mentions the director. No one ever mentions the screenwriter or the guy who got story credit on top of that. It just, it, it happened and we have photographic evidence. But other than that, it disappeared down the memory. Hole. I would believe it made itself. <laughs> it's it, it, just, it just showed up in a video store one day. <laughs> sure. It, it came in a canister labeled New Year's Evil. And they're like, okay. Like if you had told me that the, the producer of the movie was Ross Kelly's husband, I would, I would 100% believe you. Because it definitely feels like a an attempt to kind of get her career moving again after mm-hmm. she finished her stint on Happy Days. Roz, this the Pinky Duskadero is not going to last forever. We got to get you out here now. I've got a great script. It's about a, a woman who's a, a music host, and her husband, unbeknownst to her, is killing bad ladies. And she's like, "You didn't write this script, did yeah, you?" That's that's uh, my. No, that's my thing. It's like, if that where is that the case? It paints being <laughs> Ross Kelly's husband in a very particular light. <laughs> yeah, and in any relationship with Ross Kelly is weird, and uh, this continues on to like other people that she meets, like the the detective who's on this quote unquote case, uh, tells her information by grasping both of her shoulders. Like he's, he's about to shake it out of her, uh, but doesn't. And just slow motion massages her shoulders. It's uh, weird. Well, the, the, for, I was surprised that the um, that it, it didn't take very long for the detective to start buying that this was a problem because at the beginning, initially, he was our classic. You know, I, I may be a cop, but I don't feel like investigating crimes cops that we get in these kinds of movies. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where she's like, oh, this guy, you know, called up and said, you know, they're going to, he's going to kill some, he's going to kill people. And the cop's like, yeah, but what do you expect when you encourage that kind of thing? And I'm like, yeah. At what point is she encouraging this kind of thing? And is that supposed to be some sort of, you know, you uh, uh, dig at the punk scene? I think so. Yeah. Because, but... because again, none of the music, she doesn't look like a punk rocker. No. None, of, none, of, none of the music that's, that's featured is anywhere in the same orbit as punk. So yeah, it's not anti-authoritarian by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So um, for the, for the cop to sort of be the audience surrogate and, and 
and say stuff like, oh, well, you know, you're going to attract these kind of people with what, it, you know, with, you know, what you do and talk about and all. Yeah. <laughs> One of my biggest notes is about this. Why wasn't the show? Because, like, the killer was very particular about what he was going to do yeah. on the phone. Why wasn't the show shut down after the first body was found? Was it because they, they like, That's still a- thought it was a joke? Like, hey, we found the body right where he said it would, so he's having you on. <laughs> I guess the idea was, oh, he's going to keep calling you, so so you know you got to keep the show going. It's like, well, not necessarily. Yeah. After the second body shows up, they should just call it quits. But we're not even there yet. We haven't even entered the regal beagle. Uh, where evil shows up in a fake mustache and, tr- and cons a lady. By saying, pardon me, I have to leave now. I have to attend a business <laughs> meeting at Eric Estrada's place. He's going to show me his chips robot and a mini dirt bike. I still can't believe it. I, I, I can't believe the, the trouble he goes to to, <laughs> to find these apparently very specific victims. He yes. successfully picks up way too many people in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. He should not be nearly as successful as he is. And yet he totally is. And so he picks up Sally here, who once she gets into the car with her friend, Jane, we learn has <laughs> nervous diarrhea. Well, no, she had nervous diarrhea. Yeah, it was fixed. And it was scared right. by transcendental meditation. Yeah, transcendental meditation got Keep rid of that right quick. But, mm, it didn't fix it well enough because they have to pull over and she needs to use the facilities probably because she has nervous diarrhea. Yes, in his best bit of improv of, oh, okay, I know there are fans of New Year's Evil, so I'm going to actually go to bat for the scene in the car. Because I okay. think there's great things happening in the scene of the car where you have the gimmick of the movie. I absolutely love mm-hmm. that he's going to be too late because he's in L.A. traffic to get to the next murder <laughs> on time. But he's also <laughs> so annoyed with her that he is at this great yeah. point where he's both simultaneously afraid of killing them too late and too early. And I actually think that's pretty neat. There's a real ticking clock to it. I mean, Hitchcock would be proud. I actually. The only thing standing in his way is nervous diarrhea. Which he uses to his advantage because he's like, oh, because I I just want to kill the one right now. I could use her nervous diarrhea to get her out of the car and be like, hey, don't you have to use the bathroom? (laughs) I mean, to my mind, uh, and Gina, back me up here if you think I'm right. More of Freddy's victims should have talked to him at length about Est and writing haikus. Uh, yeah, I think that might have calmed it, Freddy down a little bit. Kind of maybe, maybe that guy at that party should have tried that <laughs> instead of just hey. like, come here, let me give you a hug. Listen, everyone, calm down. Stop making people burst into flames, okay? Have you heard a little thing called transcendental meditation <laughs> and then jump kick right into a To barbecue. be fair. We never saw any of Glenn's mm-hmm. dreams in the original Night Run Elm Street. We don't know that he wasn't trying to sell Freddy on all his weird Tibetan dreaming exposition. <laughs> That's true. When he's a weird wine vampire. We don't know what's going through his head. Uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out that their pit stop is at Dale's Liquors, 
which is in my old stomping grounds of North Hollywood, where the elite meet to go elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> North Hollywood is uh, kind of cool now, but it was not cool when I lived there. Uh, poor Sally. Trans meditation, trans, transcendental meditation really didn't do diddly squat when it came to saving her from murder. She is killed via pot bag, <laughs> uh, but an excessively large pot bag. Did at one point it hold more pot and he's just down to this point? Or has he put a small amount of pot in an excessively large bag? Yeah, I was going to say, this bag looks like something you'd store things to be leftovers. Yeah, no. Yes. That's like I, Costco pot. <laughs> oh my god if costco got pot i would consider joining uh i did participate in a deal to buy marijuana in which i initially misspoke and stated that i would like to buy an ounce and when he brought it out i'm like holy shit that's a lot of pot what is a normal amount of pot he goes an eighth i'm like yes that is what i would like and (laughs) Uh, this was uh, uh, weirdly enough uh, a couple blocks up from the whiskey, which we talked about in color of night. And as we exited the apartment, which was the front for his pot selling business, he said, okay, I normally don't do this, but you're, you're acting so nervous that I'm going to force you to smoke some weed out here in the open in case you're a cop. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> like, you know what? You're right. I would think I'm a suspect too. I was just raised Mormon and I'm nervous. <laughs> Gina, when someone says, go in and get me the most expensive big bottle of champagne you can, do you normally think that is going to end up getting you $95 in change from a $100 bill? Uh, I mean, are we talking like now or $1980? $1980. Probably <laughs> not. Then. I mean, I was, you know, I was seven on New Year's Eve. No, I was eight on New Year's Eve of 1980. So I wasn't buying champagne. True. But True. yeah, but- no, I don't think even even $5 is going to get you the good shit in 1980. Yeah, no, I don't believe so either. And the way that clerk says Happy New Year to her, <laughs> I, again, to Nat's point, I think he is so nervous that he's going to get that line wrong that he says it like if he does, a bomb will exactly. go off. Or he knows that bathroom is filled with nervous <laughs> diarrhea. <laughs> They're the only kind of people that shop there. <laughs> people who buy $5 champagne and people who have to shit because they're unsure of where they're going to and nervous about meeting Eric Estrada, which is, I assume, why she's nervous. Uh, that character Jane is then killed in a dumpster, but you probably already guessed that. Uh, my dude, Evil is not much of a quipster. No. Oh my god, um, no! It was a real swing. What the holy fuck does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. It's like this script was written by someone who attended an ESL class yesterday and they're like all right but to stay in the country you have to write a slasher movie he's like okay and this is how it came out it's just like grabbing for any ephemera or bits and pieces of english they possibly can it is a truly wild but i one of the cops has an adr line that says blood more blood uh, <laughs> do you want to react to that you're fine. You found a dead woman on a swing. You might want to go, oh, that's terrible. Or we should get her down or call an ambulance. Like fucking something. 
But the capper, I mean, of all the things that we have covered when it comes to the Voorhees family booby traps of dead body discovery, I don't think we've ever seen something as preposterous as timing a dead body reveal to come down a slide when a flashlight hits it. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about this. It's like, did they have some kind of trigger? I, I don't know. I, I, I Apparently, that's just when the amount of nervous diarrhea gave loose and then she went down the slide. I can't tell you how it happens. <laughs> it's the set of uh, choose your own death venture. We should have choose your favorite ADR. <laughs> <laughs> Because the deaths in this aren't, aren't so great. No, they're not presented well. Uh, you know, it's not particularly gory and the makeup is terrible. It's not great. I got real excited, though, when he gets, when Evil gets back in his Mercedes. Now he's dressed up like a priest. And he opens a book to just a random cardinal and a nun. And he's like, Next victim, I guess. <laughs> He's going to kill both a cardinal and a nun? This dude is a champion. And again, it's like, why does he have to put on costumes to do this? Yeah, it, wouldn't it, it shouldn't both be... a cardinal and a nun know the priest well enough not to get into a Mercedes with one they've never met before? And also, you know, again, you're you're in Los Angeles on New Year's Eve. You, you should be able to, like, walk up to someone in the middle of a crowd to stab them and no one will see anything. <laughs> There's no reason for this to be as elaborate as it is. And it, it 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 takes so much of his concentration that he ends up running over a couple bikers and then has to dip into the Van Nuys drive-in, a place that no longer exists. And we get treated to a trailer for Blood Feast. Yeah. And we get and we get a, and we get a boob shot. Yes. Because we finally. hadn't we, we hadn't had one of those yet. And her boyfriend says, Do you think it do you think we can have sex now? And she says, Maybe next movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? She's right. <laughs> you should wait a couple more movies before you do anything that drastic. Yeah. God's sakes, don't 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 have sex while blood feast is yeah. playing. No, no, that is not that is not uh, uh, a good recipe for the loving, as they say. So now the the bikers are after him, and he's like dipping and diving in between cars. And I had to wonder, does this movie think? I'm scared they'll find him because I am not. It takes a lot of confidence to think you've done some Henry portrait of a serial killer miracle. Like (laughs) we've gotten into him. We've dug into his mind so much. You start to feel some empathy for him. Like that's not the case. As much as this movie was not fast paced to begin with, it really stops (laughs) dead for the motorcycle gang. They're a very incompetent motorcycle gang. They're as good as it as the punks are in the punk scenes. Uh, and one of them jumps out from behind a car to surprise him uh, with his arms out like he's going boogity boogity and gets stabbed, stamped straight in the stomach for his troubles. Like nothing bad will ever happen to him. He is dumb and I'm glad he's dead. Um, so evil ends up uh, carjacking the couple that are not going to have sex until the next movie. Uh, he pushes the, the boyfriend aside and takes the girl in the backseat and takes off and nearly runs over two guys who are drunk in the street. And so like, my question is to both of you, have you ever consumed so much alcohol that your shirt has just fallen off? Thankfully, no. Yeah, no. Me neither. 
But uh, one of the guys is wearing a full suit without a shirt. And it just fell off, I guess, is what it comes down to. I don't know how that happens. It's not like he unbuttoned his shirt. His shirt is gone, but he's still wearing a suit and a tie. It doesn't make sense. But uh, then the he because he stops for this twosome, the girl gets out and makes a run for a local high school and hides under the bleachers. And you know what that means, Gina? Trash under the bleachers gets me hot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I didn't forget. <laughs> uh, why no police officer in this whole movie is allowed to record a diegetic dialogue is beyond me, but it happens here too. <laughs> Someone who is not recording live dialogue is like, are you okay, ma'am? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> and then we get to the be- what I think is the best scene in this entire movie. And that is when Detective Ed Clayton announces himself from the stage and everyone boos at him. <laughs> this it was my, worth the, the whole movie to watch. That. That's got my favorite, my favorite uh, moment of ADR. If you, if you want me to say it now or, or, or oh. hold it to the end of the movie. <laughs> no, I, I don't know the, I'm going to remember. So go for it now. Uh, I, I just love much like, much like in the, um, the, the Quincy punk episode, um, which I don't think came after this. So I feel like the people that wrote the Quincy punk episode definitely, watch this at some point because again it's got that very uh finger waving sort of if it wasn't for the mm. punk music none of this would have happened kind of mm-hmm. kind of attitude towards it but yeah so you know the uh the the, the the detective is saying oh well there's a murderer on the loose we we need to lock we need to lock the theater down no one's getting in or out and then somebody you know miles away and months later after this was filmed says we don't need to hear this shit from a pig <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah who else would tell you this that's the other thing who else is announcing this to you you know they're just so nihilistic they don't care that a murderer's on the loose man <laughs> again like in in my theories of the uh the wild mishandling of this movie. I, I feel like that may have been like an editor's note that they mistook for ADR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can totally believe that. Uh, but you know, the, the action isn't just happening on stage. It's also happening backstage because we get to watch the rare front so- shoulder massage from Larry, the manager on Roz. Um, it's, it's, it's very, uh, on the front of the shoulders as opposed to from behind where your back muscles are. I'm not sure her clavicles need that much massaging, Larry. (laughs) And then we cut to the front of the Holiday Inn, which I guess they shot all in one night, all the setups. Uh, Because the guy can't then, after they've announced they're not letting anyone in or out of the Holiday Inn, this guy shows up late to this recording. And um, he says, hey, I came up all the way from Huntington Beach. And here's the thing, everyone. We don't let assholes from Huntington Beach into parties in L.A. (laughs) Sorry. Fuck you, Huntington (laughs) Beach. You suck. I think this is where conservatives get the idea that there are random bricks that are just put on the streets to club police officers. That happens in this movie. Soup for my family happens in this movie. This is also around the time that uh, was just one of my biggest points of obsession for this movie, which is that mm. we have 
And I know it was standard for slashers of the time, but we have a psychologist come in to ex- exclusively <laughs> tell us details that the killer told us himself over the phone. Yeah. Oh, and, and speaking in a voice like he's selling a car. Yeah. Yes. Like, we're like, oh, we're going to get into the mind of the killer. And he literally comes in to say, he's going to kill every hour. Like, <laughs> yeah, we know. We've seen him kill we're every already hour. There. Like, that's not new information. And all these characters the, the, know this. The, 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 the victims have their breasts slashed, which is a characteristic of men who have problems with their mothers. Foreshadowing. With two little Tylenol, that'll help your headache. And this, he just sounds like a radio announcer. Yeah, just slapping the top of the car and going, this baby can fit all sorts of massage. Men, men who partake um, in these killings also are known to not swallow pills normally. <laughs> so if you see one of these, please alert me because that is a very bad sign. Um, my dude Evil has more costume changes than Lady Gaga. And that's really saying something. The, the cop one I'm obsessed with and, because the other cop... <laughs> sees the 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 uh cop who is uh much larger than richard evil mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> he gets taken out with the brick and then he switched costumes and the other cop sees him come back and the only explanation there is that he legitimately thinks it's the same guy like these men presumably yeah, yeah. work together and he sees the one dude go off to investigate something to come back as a different human being in the same uniform yeah carrying a tape recorder yeah the uniform that just shrunk down like spider-man and then (laughs) just just legitimately thinks it's the same guy like the this is just remarkable face blindness I'm so mad that we haven't been calling him Richard Evil this entire time because then I could have transitioned to calling him Dick Evil and that would have been great. But no, I was denied this because of my own lack of Dick Evil's rockin' New Um, Year's Eve. (laughs) (laughs) I think we found the title of the episode, Gina. Dick Evil uh, arrives and we learn that he is uh, Pinky Tuscadero's husband. He shows up in a white track suit. And I now learned that this is a, a Laurel, uh, a Stan Hardy, which it's either Laurel. Is it Stan or Laurel? It was, it was uh, well, Stan Laurel. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I initially thought, is this the worst Bob Hope <laughs> mask I've ever seen in my life? And that would make sense because he was in Palm Springs. You know, I'm not surprised that she's married to a maniac. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest here. I know that's judgmental, but okay. And apparently Dick Evil has a lot of training in uh, elevator electrician mechanics. Like he he knows exactly where to stick that screwdriver and what it does. Somehow Richard has put the elevator into a dishwasher and then... It, it jumbles around like they're in a space fight on Star Trek. And then it opens and he kicks a police officer in the face and drags Roz out, uh, zips up her jumpsuit, and then goes on a very long monologue that boils down to this direct quote, ladies are not very nice people. That, 
nope, they're they're men- he imagines to sound weirdly whiny for a serial killer and childish. Yes. He's like, yeah. they're they're manipulative. They're not nice. That's my favorite part where I kind of started to get on the movie's side because when he complains about his <laughs> allowance, I was like, fucking get him. Again, like, like how is a is a radio DJ like so successful? That that a she she's able to put her husband on an allowance, <laughs> right? And, and also yeah. is is so busy that she doesn't she does she's not around enough to to realize that the the husband has lost his mind to the point that he is becoming serial killer. This was this was know. also around when I realized that the psychologist had started to say that he's driven to kill on the hour, like every hour, and had taken the time zones part out of it. So in the middle of the bottle, I was like, has he been killing women hourly for the duration of their marriage? Because I would watch that version of the film. Where would you have time in the day? I mean, he doesn't even have his own money. He has to ask for an allowance. Um, Very few cinematic serial killers have a motivation of not only getting an allowance, but at the end of their murder spree, the big thing they're going to do is go to the Rose Bowl with their son. Yes. That's, that's, something they, do. that's something they couldn't have done. Yeah, you could, you could have people? done that without murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> you just say, do you think we can get Rose Bowl tickets? And my guess is they could have pulled that off. Also, the, he keeps talking about the son like the son's a child. And, and the son's <laughs> like 25. Yeah. 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 I yeah. love that they are both the exact same amount of crazy. Like... Without her noticing <laughs> even once. Because, like, the, he's saying, like, he's been talking with Derek. And Derek's been telling him things like she's intentionally turning him on. And, like, explicit serial killer stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, see, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if this movie was as entertaining as this little section is, I would be all over it. It's just not as entertaining like it's fun to talk about but i don't know there was as much fun to watch for example the police and that detective they walk through a whole kitchen and there's not one shot of hot bread gina not one not a single bread to be found no uh so he chains up a blaze to the bottom of an elevator sticks a bunch of wires and screwdrivers in it and sends her up to the very top like her own personal tower of terror where she, we finally see what happened to Yvonne. She was decapitated and made into a Yankee candle by the looks of it. Yeah, I love, Very I waxy. love the for like uh, how unimaginative all the kills had been up to this point. I appreciate it that it goes like full wily e. coyote for like this big last set piece. <laughs> <laughs> a, a big set piece that also involves two people in the elevator one of whom appears to be dressed in a leather vest but with plastic straps all over it i do not understand that outfit and if anyone can explain it to me please do so because i don't i don't know what the fuck's happening there he's just wearing a leather open leather vest that plastic straps are attached to like they're how you pick him up when he gets too drunk or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, he's prepared. He was going in for New Year's Eve. He was going to go out drinking. True. 
You know, yeah. you know, he wants to make sure you know someone can drag him home at the end of the night. Frankly, yeah, yeah. Some even, friends would be more useful with with carrying straps. It looks like bad Mister Sinister cosplay. If you know, Mr. only Sinister from the X Men. Only. <laughs> um. So the police interrupt all of this. They end up shooting the exposed elevator mechanics, and it stops the elevator. And so she is saved. And. They run up the stairs. One of the shops get one of the cops get shot in, in the shoulder. Uh, they get up to the very top of the Holiday Inn, and um, then Dick Evil gives us a Shakespeare soliloquy, yeah. and then we get a nice, obvious dialogue. yes, uh, yeah. That that's the only that's the only highlight. <laughs> of, of I love story. But yeah, you don't you, you don't even get a payoff of like you know Blaze getting into you know typical knockdown drag out fight and then and then you're triumphing she's still like strapped to the elevator somewhere yeah no she's still, she's still chained to an elevator yeah like once they stop that elevator we don't see her anymore she, she's done and, and he puts the mask back on to better sell the dummy like it's gonna help <laughs> yeah it doesn't work uh he lands on the ground not that we see it and then large adult son derek is back and he starts to snuggle with the smashed remains of his yes. father. Yes. And how, in a movie called New Year's Evil, how, if you're going to decide your killer drops from the roof uh, and dies at the end of the movie, how is that not mm-hmm. paired with some kind of ball drop? I was going right. to say, how is he not slowly falling while you hear people going, Ten, yeah. ten Come nine. on, people. <laughs> exactly. We fixed this fucking movie, everybody. Congrats. <laughs> Golan, Globus, Collis, in, in a time machine, pick us up one of those sports almanacs. Let's fix New Year's Evil for you. The only other time we see Roz is when she's getting loaded into an ambulance and all of the punks are all concerned for her. You know, like punks, they're concerned for this nice lady who hosts a music program. They're very concerned that their mother is going to be okay. Or are they? Because (laughs) I, this is a big, this is like the thing in the movie that is still like not leaving my mind is that Derek... Mm. He takes out the, the ambulance driver and he gets in the ambulance and he takes the mask off his dead father murderous corpse. And Derek Evil yeah. gets into the ambulance in front of everybody. Everybody is watching yeah. as he kills the ambulance driver after his mom's loaded in and takes off in the ambulance to murder her. So, like, you can only take from that that everybody who had been watching that show wanted her to die <laughs> but can you blame like, them I, yeah, that's I what can. it comes down to can you blame them well i want to believe that ladies are good people <laughs> <laughs> but from what i told i have been told ladies are not very nice people so no we're, Gina, we're you're gonna have to defend we're, yourself we're manipulative <laughs> yeah we're just very bad people they- also gina i want to talk to you about my allowance <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't the lady ever teach me how to swallow pills right? <laughs> Forget it. I have too many meetings being a punk radio DJ, something yeah. or other. I'm gonna rock it to the top of the business this I, way. I got some hair to boil. <laughs> slash <laughs> what does that fucking mean? Slash wrapping um, paper model. <laughs> 
so this brings us to the point where we decide to choose our own death venture. And that is where of the uh, deaths presented in this quote unquote motion picture. If you were to die in uh, one of those ways, which one would you choose and why up for bid in this episode, we have stabbed in the shower, later beheaded, uh, slashed in mid make uh, session in a sanitarium, uh, suffocate, in a plastic bag of weed in North in North Hollywood killed in a dumpster gutted at the drive-in clubbed in the head with a brick and death by ambulance driving. I don't know how that guy died. And maybe he just saw Derek evil and passed away from fright for all we know. Uh, so Nat, you are our guest. So I choose you to go first. Uh, this is tough. I want to say that, nothing's good so i want to say that (laughs) i want to say the hamlet off the roof because i'm mad at it the most but i think i think in terms of how i'd go out out of any of these i i would prefer to be to be gutted at the drive-in yeah that may make sense but i mean dying by gutting it takes a while it's not instantaneous like you're around for but i get to see more of the movie (laughs) <laughs> that's very very true and maybe if you make it through the movie maybe that lady will have sex with you gina uh what say you yeah i'm gonna pick uh gutted the drive-in too because most because i think a drive-in movie is gonna be a really cool place to die sure yeah I mean, if you gotta go <laughs> do it there true. um i think i'm going to do death by ambulance existence <laughs> um because it seemed he seems very calm he seems to have passed very easily. I was say you're so so terrified by the sight of a uh, of, of a of a Stan Laurel mass that you just dropped dead immediately. Yeah, I'm like ooh oh, and I just kind of keel over and am replaced. And I'm like, at least my job is continuing on, and I'm out like a light. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so before we go though, Nat, tell people uh, all about your new book and where they can find it. I have a new book. And you can find it uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can get it from the publisher McFarland. Uh, it's uh, all over the place. Puppet Master Complete: A Franchise History, a comprehensive history. I hope to God I spent three years on it. Comprehensive history <laughs> of the Puppet Master franchise, from the films to the comics and the toys and merchandising. Just the whole thing. Oh my God! Yeah. If you need to know about Puppet Master, this is the source you need to go to. And if there's anyone who gets the details right, it is Nat. That's why he is on the show again. The man digs for details. Uh, But you're not the only one with the new book out. Gina, where can people find you and your new book on these here internets? Uh, Well, uh, it's not my entire book. It's it's an. Yeah, but you're in a book. I'm in an. Both of you are in more books than I'm in. I'm in an an anthology of horror essays called uh, Hear a Scream, uh, Mm -hmm. which you can order online either in. on for, for Kindle, or if you prefer paperback, uh, you can get that. I also write about movies and television at theschool.net. And I am on Twitter at Gina Does Things, G E N A Does Things. That's right, people. Check it out. Do it today. Uh, you can find us on all the socials. Join us on Twitter. Uh, join the conversation on Facebook. Uh, look at pretty pictures on Instagram, all that shit. Rate, review us. 
for the love of God, rate and review us. No one has rated and reviewed this since October. We need some new reviews. Tell us what your favorite kill is in all of the uh, movies that we've covered or what your your choose your own death venture would be. And we will talk about it here on the air. That is our promise to you, the Kill by Kill listener. Of course, you can also support us on Patreon. If you're in the $5 or above level, you can listen to not only a bonus episode every month, uh, but you also, at the end of the month, you will get to listen to us talk about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, where we discover that butts in windows aren't just for ladies anymore in the Halloween franchise. Uh, and uh, we get to talk about all the sexual escapades that local doctors get up to. <laughs> Tom Atkins, <laughs> It's everyone. a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Do it today. Uh, but don't worry, folks. Just because a new year is dawning, the body count will continue. We have all sorts of fun stuff planned for you. Uh, I hate to break it to you. Season three is coming to a close. What will season four of the Kill by Kill podcast hold in store for you? Well, next week we're going to have a new edition of After Dark. But uh, beyond that, uh, we're going to dig into... Uh, a new franchise. Will it be our only franchise? You're going to have to listen to find out for yourself. But until then, for myself, for Nat, and for Gina, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.